Welcome to this edition of the Montpelier Happy Hour here on WVEWLP Brattleboro, 107.7 FM, your community radio station. I'm your host, Olga Peters, and my co-host is Emily Kornheiser, state representative with Brattleboro. And we are, as always, discussing how things in Montpelier shake out for Wyndham County. Welcome, Emily. Thanks, Olga. So nice to see you for another week. So nice to see you, too. And if you're just tuning in, just a little heads up. We always have to say this in the journalist world. We are pre-recording this episode on Thursday, the day before we usually air. So if anything changes, if we talk about dates or something like that, that is why. Just FYI, you have been warned. (laughs) (laughs) So Emily, we have been talking some big picture and also some nuts and bolts about democracy, how it works, but more importantly, how people access it. For these last few weeks, we talked to Susan Clark, who is a town moderator, but also the co-author of Slow Democracy Mm -hmm. and an expert on town meeting. We also discussed um, the First Amendment and access with journalist Mike Donahue, a retired journalist. He is also now the head of the Vermont Press Association. And then we talked about how a bill becomes a law with Becca Ballant, Mm -hmm. Senator Becca Ballant. And then we talked about advocacy and the role of activism in democracy with James Haslam from Vermont uh, Rights and Democracy Vermont. And we talked to town manager Peter Elwell about community leadership, um, state power, federal power, and sort of how that all shakes up. Mm -hmm. And what each can do and cannot do. Exactly. So in all these conversations for you, because we want to take time to process and reflect, what has been your takeaway? What, do, you know, do you have answers? Has, has, have our conversations left you with more questions? I want to tell all of our listeners that we're not just in deep banter mode this week because we didn't get a guest. We actually built in deep banter every fifth week to our schedule. Just so everyone knows, we both really believe that to make good policy, to think things through we need to have this sort of like deep listening reflection time. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to build that into the podcast as well. So one of the things I've been reflecting on um, in these conversations is we know, and I think everyone we talked to agreed that we need more participation. We need more abundant conversations. We need more open conversations. We need to talk across difference more. We need people getting involved earlier in the process and to really shape conversations, whether that's folks who are most affected by the decisions that are being made or folks who might disagree down the road, whatever it is. But we know that we want folks participating more and participating earlier. And yet we still, and I guess we did, we heard a little bit about sort of different technologies that might make that happen. And by technology, I mean like ways of doing things. I don't mean like iPhones. Um, so we talked about those technologies, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yet no one we talked to, and we have some people, we spoke to people who have been like, who think about this all the time. That's yeah, why we talked to them, right? Smart. Yes. <laughs> and yet no one seems to be holding this as an idea. Yeah. And so I don't, whose job is it is what I'm sort of stuck with. Like if none of us are thinking of this as our job, mm-hmm. 
who's going to do it? Right. And and what format will it take? Yes. Because so much of our access, this is this was the big aha moment for me when we were talking to Susan Clark, is so much of our access to the political process and the policymaking process comes kind of late as mm-hmm. far as the public's concerned. And it's, it comes in the form of a select board meeting or... Um, testifying before the legislature. Uh, And we have a lot of community discussions. That's in part what letters to the editor are for. That's one one role they serve in at the journalism level. But, you know, a deliberative process, uh, a decision making process, which is pretty much what a select board meeting really is. Mm isn't the same as or a, even a legislative committee right is a decision making process yeah it's not the same as a deliberative process mm-hmm. it's not the same as gathering feedback getting everyone at the table and really hashing out what the community's vision is for that particular policy or or action or what have you and even you know in this off season off season but a silly thing to call it (laughs) well even while the legislature is not officially in session um this is the time where we're all drafting legislation and that's also not a deliberative process it's not a community process it's a process that for the most part people do legislators do one-on-one with legislative council it's not even something that legislators often do together Uh so usually a legislator you know has legislation drafted and then asks people to co-sponsor it. But very rarely, I think, is it, you know, created and sent to legislative council as a collaborative process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've been trying to think lately, what, f- what formats or what functions, or as you said, what technologies do we have in our community that could be a model for these type of discussions going forward? And in some ways, With the exception of people sitting around the kitchen table and and shooting the breeze, we actually don't have a lot of them, if any. I mean, sure, there are threads on Facebook, but those are, it's done anonymously. You're not sitting face to face with people. Um, I don't know that it's an effective format per se, for for a building process. Mm-hmm. It might be good for a commenting process, but not necessarily a building deliberative Emergent process. creative process. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Um, last fall, after I was elected and before I started and was sworn in, there was a whole series of different meetings. So all of the you know, nonprofits in town have different sort of tables where multiple nonprofits sit at. So there's... Um, a monthly meeting where all of the housing directors get together right. and there's a monthly meeting where all the human services directors get together and there's a monthly meeting of um, direct line staff and all kinds of different things with all kinds of different topics and all of those folks would have legislators in for sort of a update send us off to the session with their information and they would do it in December Mm-hmm. which was when it's actually too late to really be developing legislation. Right. And I think that's just been the custom forever. I don't know why. And so, and maybe part of it, it was actually um, still an assumption that legislators didn't work through the summer and the fall. And so, mm-hmm. you know, or, it was just an effort to spare us. Or the calendar year is coming to an end so mm-hmm. we can tell you what we did this whole year and what's yes. emerging. Maybe, yeah. And so 
this year I went to a few meetings of folks who I know focus on issues I really care about and said, if there's specific challenges that have come up and then you want to find like emergent solutions for and that you want legislation connected to, let's start the conversation at the beginning of the summer, not in December, so that we really have the time to hash it out together and figure this out and do our due diligence and be creative and go from like, this is a problem to what is a comprehensive solution. Mm -hmm. So that's one table. It's places where professionals mm -hmm. are already having difficult conversations together. Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen some attempts to bring more individuals into those professional spaces. So um, after the homeless revolution mm -hmm. meetings, um, there was a lot of folks around the community getting really activated um, and really trying to get engaged on housing issues. And so the housing providers meeting open, you know, said this meeting has always been open to the public. No one ever came and no one ever knew about it, but you all are welcome to come. But there's a big culture clash there, right? Yeah. There's like a million acronyms no one understands. There's so much backstory. And there's no, no relationships have been built either. No. No relationships and built that part. Yes. So how do you build the relationships to be able to step into that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's almost like, you know, the coffee with a cop format. Mm -hmm. It's in a way we almost need a, a, a coffee with community format mm -hmm. um, where people can, can gather and just talk about what's, what's taught what's facing the community but how do we make that productive yeah that's the thing because it's easy to sit around with anybody whether they're a professional or just your neighbor or a sibling or what have you and and grouse and whinge and whine and pretty soon the whole conversation just goes down the kitchen sink but how do we make it productive so everything's working to the solution? I think that's another framework we have to kind of add mm -hmm. to this mm -hmm. or a criteria we have to add. And so I'm constantly playing with this idea of there's these really great facilitation tools, right? And they feel really comfortable in one type of meeting. And we're sort of accustomed to having them, those like very structured tools in certain meetings, which are sort of professional meetings that are a little further down the hippie hole than your average professional meeting, right? Like mm -hmm. that's where you're comfortable seeing like really tight, attentive, emergent facilitation, right? Right. You might have an appreciative inquiry framework. You might have some community cafe rotation. Um, and those things work really, really well, but they feel so artificial if mm -hmm. you've never been in a culture that did them before. Hmm. So... For me, I think the community cafe format is one of the best ones. Um, mm -hmm. Do you know about that? For I bet a lot of our listeners don't know about that. That's a really good point because <laughs> there are so many people listening right now. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so that's basically you have a topic, um, you know, a probing, wicked question even. And you ask people to sit at small tables with a big sheet of white paper in front of them. And there's food and there's flowers. And it feels like a place you want to be. It doesn't feel like a meeting. And people have a minute to introduce themselves to each other. And then, you know, people sit and talk for 15 minutes about that particular topic. And then all of them, except for one person, gets up and moves on to a new table, which might have a new question or a question that builds on the first question. And then sits down, everyone sits down again. And the table host sort of explains the backstory of what's happened. So 
conversations can build on each other, which is huge for me. Mm-hmm. I do not like reinventing every conversation at the very beginning. Um, and then so through that, you can really work through some problems. You can have the intimate conversations and sort of establish relationships in those groups of four. And it all sort of feeds into more of a public well that gets reviewed and covered sort of at the midpoint or at the midpoint, at the end point. Um, I like it because it covers a bunch of different cultural, how do you say that word? Milieu? Milieu? We're going to go with that. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Because it's like there's food and it can be fairly casual food and like, you know, people are sitting at little tables so they're not like in a big hearing and um, it it can feel cozy and safe if done well. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's like one technology that I really like for doing that. And I Mm -hmm. suppose you could do it for any topic. Yeah. I don't see why not. You know, a lot of those things, their success comes down to who is hosting, which Mm -hmm. brings you back to whose job is this. Yes. Um, So let's just stake our, put our stake in the ground Mm -hmm. and say, okay, let's go with the community cafe format. Okay. Let's let's say that we're at least going to experiment with that. Mm -hmm. So that brings us to the next question how whose job is it and how do we make it as everyday and normal part of the process as say town meeting is every year well there's a few things that make sense right so for one lately i've been feeling like i really want our county democratic committee or a town democratic committee Mm -hmm. to be holding a lot of that um so that they are sort of more connected outside of election mm-hmm. season and electioneering. Um, that would be really helpful to me as a legislator to feel like the process is slightly outside of my hands and I'm showing up to participate and mm-hmm. listen and witness. Um, that would be an interesting spot for it. It would be interesting to think of town meeting as something that happens every month and has a culmination at the end of the year. So in yep. that case... Yep. Um, that might be Jan Anderson's problem. Sorry, Jan, if you listen. But you're so good at everything. <laughs> she so really you'd be good is. at this, too. Yeah. Um, or, or it could also be Hillary, um, Hillary's problem. Yes. As also, this is the problem with the competent people. You I know, pile right? more work upon them. Right. Because mm-hmm, Hillary would also do a very good job of this. Mm-hmm. So those are some, you know, it's like built into the marrow of town government mm-hmm. an option i assume the topics would be a little bit different if one, you know whether it's sort of more big picture state dems or you know the micro of town mm-hmm. um i i suppose like uh town departments every on a regular basis submit reports to the select board and you'll find it in the meeting packet if you go to the select board meetings maybe it's the type of thing that every month it's a different town department Hmm. That might be interesting. Mm-hmm. If we're if we're looking at the town level. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of really positive things to say about how they maintain the dirt roads in Brattleboro. Actually, yeah, I call sometimes and thank them. They do. Mm-hmm. They do. There yeah. are some very good town departments in this town. Yes. Yeah. So there's there's that option. And then there's it being sort of outside of any government system. Mm -hmm. And there's like a group of community members who come together and do that. Like maybe at the library, which is more neutral location, maybe it moves from place to place. And they're like the community cafe team. Mm -hmm. And they're like absolutely outside of any identity or stakeholder, Mm -hmm. um, which I love. I love that neutrality, right? Yeah, I do too. And then I also like... Brattleboro being Brattleboro, I wonder how long something could stay stakeholder neutral. 
Right, because it would still need to be resourced somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and and maybe it's just uh, the townships in a little and a little support in some one way or the other. Nonprofits chip in, and we just have to to agree that somehow this will still remain neutral, even yeah. if it's being resor- resourced by more than. I mean, we started the Wyndham County Action Network four years ago. Mm-hmm. I. That sounds about right. Okay. At some period in the history. And, um, you know, had this like really huge sort of kickoff event that was really meaningful to people and then tried to keep that momentum going with monthly events. Mm -hmm. And we did it for a while, but five volunteers who are dynamic and committed to something are going to find other things to be dynamic and committed to. Right. Yeah. You almost need... um yeah, you need a long list of volunteers to keep that going, mm-hmm. which then brings us back to the logic of having it go through an organization or a town. Mm-hmm. There's this um, whole framework for collective impact mm-hmm. organizations where lots of people can come together to collaborate on something, but you want some sort of backbone structure there. Right. And given the sort of scarcity we're all operating in, it's nice to have that backbone be paid mm-hmm. to make sure that their energies is not going to be diverted to something that is paid work. Right. Right. Mm. Well, it's, inter- it's interesting. I attended a meeting on Tuesday night, I believe, with the NRC was in town, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. And basically, what for those who don't know, Bernie Sanders got some language in legislation about the community uh, advisory panels that should be set up in every host community, every community that's hosting a nuclear plant. And he wants the NRC to collect feedback from these advisory panels, at least 10 of them, and put together a report on best practices. And so that's what this meeting was. It was pretty much a listening tour on the behalf on behalf of the NRC, that they were just listening and taking feedback from people who had been on the panel, people who had accessed. In in Vermont, we have NDCAP, um, and before that, it was VSNAP. If people are familiar with those titles, um, can I make the joke that I made when we were talking about this? Yes, earlier? you can. Go for it. You essentially went to a listening session about listening sessions Uh or a hearing tour about (laughs) hearing tours. It's amazing. Yeah. Or a report gathering about report gathering. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, And it was an interesting meeting because there were folks from Vermont Yankee there. There were folks from Maine Yankee, Connecticut Yankee, Yankee Row. So it was a, it was a big swath of experiences. But that is one thing that a lot of people said when they got up, um, said, we need better resources. If you want such a high responsibility from us, and if we are going to take on such a learning curve, mm-hmm. I mean, how many people know about the nuclear industry just off the bat? Brattleboro, you don't count. Vernon, you don't count. <laughs> <laughs> In general, other people. Um, and you were saying that even though you've covered these hearings for... I've scratched the surface. A very long time. There's still so much that you have to learn about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm always learning something new, a new regulation, a new bit of history, a new bit of science. And, but they said we need to be resourced. The people need, ideally need to be paid. Um, We need to have, you know, someone, even a staff who can help, you Mm -hmm. know, that kind of thing, a clerk. 
And um, it just got me thinking about that because we expect a lot from our volunteers. You know, so much of Vermont is run on volunteers. And yet our life styles have become different Mm -hmm. about what we can give. But not only that, what we are dealing with, I feel, is a lot more complex Mm -hmm. than we were you know, when Vermont first became a republic and then became a state. We also have some different values, right? We've talked about how incredibly important it is to have representation Mm -hmm. and diverse representation. We've talked about how aware we are of having people in the room be comfortable Mm -hmm. and participatory and all that stuff. So we are even bringing different, more complex values to the table of these conversations. Yeah, and that's one thing I have noticed. I'm so glad you said that. In our conversations with the folks we've interviewed for the podcast, And when I'm thinking about a lot of our structures in place, like town meeting and even activism and the legislature, there's still a little bit of a them and us. Mm -hmm. And I think what you and I are are talking about is something that is is much more all of us Mm -hmm. rowing in the same direction the best we can. Mm -hmm. And... There's really nothing I hate more than a boating metaphor, but I will, <laughs> I'll forgive you because I like you. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. And now that you said that, I'm probably going to get only boating metaphors stuck in my mind. Every time I see you, it might get dicey. Okay. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, what, what structure do we have yeah. that we're used to that isn't a them and us? Mm-hmm. Or a yes or no, or mm-hmm. a... Official, yeah. yay or public, nay, or yay yes. nay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So we've put our stake in the ground. We're kind of thinking the community cafe is a good mm-hmm. format. Um, we're not sure who's responsible for it yet. Mm-hmm. We know it needs to be resourced. And then the last part of it for me, and I should never ever say last or third or whatever it is. It never <laughs> works out well for my train of thought. But we need to make it easy for people. Mm-hmm. So whether that's a community cafe in a box and... You know, everyone knows the steps they need to go through to make this happen. Everyone who's coming knows the steps they need to go through to show up. Everyone knows what day of the week it's going to be so they can build into their schedules. We, you know, there's a sort of inverse relationship between motivation and effort and urgency and all of those things. Mm. Um, I don't know if you can have an inverse relationship between four things, but... All to say, (laughs) I think the easier this is and the more transparent it is and the more um, sort of scaffolded it is for folks, Mm -hmm. the easier it's going to be for the folks setting it up and for the folks participating because it could become one group. Like the folks participating could be the folks who are setting it up if we had a really clear, regular structure in Mm -hmm. place. Yeah, or even if it came, if, if... Using using what you said, the community cafe in a box, if it came with mentorship, mm-hmm. even if just to get it off the ground until a community was comfortable really working that process and working the framework. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we get back to resources. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we do. But there is more than enough money in the world. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. sitting in some second homes. Yeah. Waiting. S- just waiting. Waiting to become a community cafe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... What happens after, that's the other thing, because we want to make this productive. Mm -hmm. So we have the community cafe, Mm -hmm. and people bring some great ideas to the table and some Mm -hmm. great solutions to the table. What happens next? How do we get it from the community cafe into policy? 
Well, so then the things that are said at Community Cafe become the agendas for the select board meeting, ah. for the town meeting. Because at some point you have to make a decision. And we actually have good structures, I think, for decision making. We just have bad structures to frame the conversation before the decision. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that that seems easy enough. It's like the good ideas, the feedback, that's all there. And then that becomes legislation that goes through the committee process. That becomes the agenda for town meeting, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But the participation is the agenda formation process. Mm -hmm. You've been thinking about this. Most of the time, (laughs) yes. Because for me as a legislator, I feel like all I have is knocking on people's doors it's the only technology available to me to understand what my constituents want Mm -hmm. i could do a web form but i mean what i'm going to get from people is going to be so biased by who happens to like run across my facebook feed that day and happens to be interested in my facebook feed or we have sort of a standard community meeting and the same 20 people come. And I love those people. I love that they show up and I love mm-hmm. that they participate. But we need more people than that to be part of these conversations. So for me, there's a lot of self-interest because knocking on doors wall is one of the funnest things I've ever done in my life. And I am not being sarcastic. It was absolutely life-changing. It takes up a lot of time. It does. And so... <laughs> And it doesn't help build community. It doesn't help people have conversations with each other. It's just right. me talking to people one-on-one. And most of this needs to get figured out in community, mm-hmm. with community. Right. Right. Okay. So we, we have the agenda building process. Mm-hmm. And we have the community cafe model. Mm-hmm. And um, we still need to work on resources a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think we decided on Jan. Oh, okay. Okay. Good. There you go. Yeah. Lucky Jan. Uh-huh. Neither of us work for the town and neither of us have any authority over Jan, but obviously we just gave her a new job. <laughs> Don't tell her. Sorry, Jan. Yeah, nobody tell Jan. <laughs> um, but yeah, what's that backbone? Let's go back to that backbone or that spine, that structure. Well, so we had that conversation with James Haslam. Mm-hmm. Um, who is thinking about, you know, community participation and empowering workers, empowering community members every day in both Vermont and New Hampshire. And we asked him the question about like, what does it look like once you start winning, right? Like, how do you switch tactics? What does it mean to do this from the inside? Mm -hmm. And I think part of the activist frame is that you never win, right? right? Like there's always better and more. And like, I totally you know, buy into that in my soul mm-hmm. more often than I want to, right? Well, and also I think part of the activist framework too is that you're the outsider. Mm-hmm. Yep, trying to not get in but break down or, or get in one or the other, but you're yeah. outside, you're never inside. Mm-hmm. But what does it look like for that same, um, those organizations that have the lenses in place or the mental framework in place to be working with you know, lots of different marginalized populations to say, like, we're going to take the technology and use it to, like, fully participate as insiders, right? Mm -hmm. So what would it look like if that was being held by some of our activists in the area? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would be very excited because I think a lot of the activists in our area are extremely well organized and Mm -hmm. extremely passionate and very good at what they do. 
So uh, lots of confidence there. Um, can you think of one in particular or if it was a group, like a consortium or a collaborative or? Um, so the organization, that the collection of organizations um, that put on the training that we were talking about last mm-hmm. week, mm-hmm. Um, which embarrassingly, the name of it just fell right out of my head. Uh Rights and Democracy Lead, I think it was. Yeah, it's not rights. It's just Lead. Oh, Lead, lead Vermont. Okay. Lead yep, Vermont. No Rights and go. Democracy in front. It's just Lead Vermont, and it's um, Planned Parenthood and ACLU and um, the NEA and Rights and Democracy and Vermont Conservation Voters. It's a whole collection of different organizations. Mm-hmm. What And that's, you know, they come together, and they're really, um, they're good at working sort of intersectionally. Um, but I worry that feel like to do this stuff and to do these conversations well you have to be willing to admit that you're wrong mm-hmm. yeah humans so love to do that mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that's that's a bit of a hook um and where do you think the biggest kind of chafing is do you think that's at the community level admitting wrong or just one-on-one or the facilitators, town, hmm. like where, where are you kind of going with that? I guess I was thinking that most organizations who would host something like this would come in with preconceived notions about the future that they see. Gotcha. Right? Right. So that's what I was concerned about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the, the irony is that if we are building something from the community up, into the deliberative, I mean, into the decision-making process, we don't actually know what the future is yet. No. And in fact, we never know what the future is yet. Well, and I guess <laughs> this is true. <laughs> well, some of us might. Here is we, our. We only play the lottery. <laughs> Sorry, I cut you off. It's fine. I was just, you know, thinking that clearly was neither of us. <laughs> um, yeah. Or we would have played the lottery by now. Mm-hmm. Um and I guess that's really one of the wonderful things. I mean, if we're doing our work right as human beings, we're always evolving, in which case we're never done. Oh, so that's really nice and philosophical. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> it's okay if you don't get to the goal, if you're still evolving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so... If that's true, then our public process should reflect that exactly, which Mm -hmm. is what we're talking about, right? Is that you're constantly evolving, month by month, evolving the conversation. And then you have these sort of checkpoints at a year with town meeting or Mm -hmm. um, every month with select board. But it's a sort of constant growth process that feels much more like a spiral and much less linear than I Mm -hmm. think the decision-making process of governance is you know yeah yeah no i i I actually like that um you're right it's a spiral building upwards to to checkpoints um because at the end of the day even if the conversations are great and they are doing wonderful things like building relationships and helping people understand each other more and understand their community better that is that will always pay dividends however at some point action does need to be part of the process and that's where you know, the town budget comes in and town mm-hmm. meeting comes in and yeah. Yeah. So what are some other things that we heard over the last month that we're going to carry forward to our next 
Mm-hmm. group of sessions we talked about transparency a lot yeah i keep going back to how mike donahue said for democracy to work officials really need to be committed to transparency i just keep coming back to that and and i admit i i haven't come up with any great answer but i keep sitting with that and keep saying okay well what does that look like what does good transparency and access look like well, you see the bad version every day. I, I mean, that's do. your job to sort of, you know, fight that fight, right? Mm-hmm. So what does it look like when it doesn't work? When it doesn't work, you have a public who does not trust its officials. And even when the officials are doing good work, <laughs> there is, you see, a, I see a lot of conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of impatience with the process mm-hmm. um and impatience on both sides that the i'll just say town for the sake of it where the town officials don't understand why the the people are so frustrated but at the same time the people aren't really understanding what the officials are doing mm-hmm. either good or bad because they're they've kind of stopped talking to each other and they're not seeing each other's processes so when you Am I allowed to interview you, Olga? You can. Okay. Um, when <laughs> It's strange. I usually have more questions than answers, so we'll see what, what I, I come up with, right? I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is exciting. Um, I want to spin my chair around because it's like we're turning the tables, <laughs> but no one will be able to see me because we haven't started live streaming yet. Not yet. Not yet. Um, so you, in some ways, as a journalist, are this intermediary mm-hmm. between those two groups of folks. For better or for worse. For, be- for better, for better, for better. Um, I will stick to that. Okay, thank you. So what does it look like when you feel like everything is working properly and you're able to do your job? And what does it look like when it's not? And like, what? after you answer that, I want to know what it would look like to grow the good more. Mm-hmm. So just to clarify, doing my job, you mean getting the information I need for articles mm-hmm. or for... yes. So when it's not working, um, it's hard to get information. And, and it turns out where I start covering things where I have a sense of what's happening, but I can't write about anything because nothing is actually out in the open. Mm. Um, and, you know, I'm not a columnist, so I really shouldn't be speculating like a columnist could or a letter to the editor can or a voices piece can. I really need to be able to say, here's my source, here's the document, here's the quote. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, and and what I have found that absent information, people fill things in with their imagination. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where some of the conspiracies come from. And that's where some of the frustration comes from. Because without the information and people understanding, um, you start assuming what the other person is doing and why they're doing it. Um, also, I find just on a, a day-to-day basis, towns that are really trying to be transparent, if I put in a public records request, mm-hmm. it's honored. Oh. And usually a conversation happens beforehand that says, well, you asked for this, but we also have that. Does that help you more? Ooh, there like, are towns that do that? There are towns that do that. That's and, beautiful. Um, Annette Cappy would do that a lot. She mm-hmm. was such a great town clerk. And I'm sure Hillary is too. I've just never needed to make a public records request from her, so I don't know. Um, 
But, uh, you know, that is so amazing because then you usually find things that you can share with the public that no one knew about that can really help the conversation. When that's not working well, I put in a public records request and people are like, why do you want this? Huh? What are you going to do with it? Which actually under Vermont law, I don't have to answer. But (laughs) but yeah, there's instead of, okay, good, let's let's make this open and let's help people. There's this, no, we have to shut it down because that's safer. Um, and I just, I don't, I don't think things work that way. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when skeletons start building up in the closet and it gets messy and a little smelly. Collect dust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or as um, an acquaintance friend of mine. Um, Are rev- they an acquaintance or a friend? They're a friend, but I don't get to see them often. So, yeah, Mm, Facebook friend. Mm. Um, For those who probably know, the Reverend Emily Heath um, is brilliant and and has some really wonderful things to to say. But Emily had said early on um, her father worked, I think, for either the FBI or this, but he worked in in uh, security and intelligence. And he said to her er early on. Um, or, or they early on don't have secrets because secrets can come back to bite you and actually strip away your freedom and your opportunities and your ability to move. Wow. And coming from, and I'm totally paraphrasing what he said, but coming from someone who worked in intelligence, that was really powerful to me. And it gave me new insight on, on transparency and, and keeping things open. And I'm sure Emily could give a much better discussion on 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 what what dad said and dad's Mm -hmm. wisdom but that that was my takeaway from it and i think it's true for the democratic process as well you know here's what i find i'm kind of babbling and running in circles see this is why i ask no this is good this is good (laughs) this is what everyone's always wanting to know what you think (laughs) oh the danger um this is what i find that and now i lost my train of thought shoot it was so good emily was awesome um that when oh so often people try to keep secrets especially town officials because they don't want the screaming Mm -hmm. they don't want people to get upset they don't want to have to (gasps) answer the tough questions and i get that that is so human i don't like answering tough questions um but here's the thing if they're screaming because you told the truth, it's unlikely that screaming is going to last very long. More than likely, people will have a hissy fit and then either forget about it or move on. But when people react to being betrayed or lied to or kept secret, that goes deep. And that, that builds rifts that are harder to repair. And I think in, in many cases, when a mistake has been made, it matters less that the mistake was made and more what people do to reverse the harm. Absolutely. And I don't, well, I do. I'm going to get a little pop psychology. I think um, we are so uncomfortable being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so it's really easy to, instead of being sitting in that discomfort for a little bit, to be avoidant, right? Mm-hmm. And to keep secrets, not even purposely, but just because you're trying to sidestep that discomfort. 
I think that's what procrastination is all about. Oh, no, don't say it. No way. Yes, that is exactly what procrastination is about. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to do now. Even just like when I'm writing and that mild discomfort of not knowing exactly what I want to say in that moment, I'll like flip to another screen. Mm-hmm. So I'm just sitting in it. Yeah. Or, and or I think, making a decision. Yeah. And so we do that on like society writ large. Yeah. Yeah. So we are just about out of time for this conversation, this takeaway. Anything you wanted to add, Emily, before we head out? Um, I want to add that just the process matters. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to make time for it, I think, um, to make time for thinking about it. Mm -hmm. But um, there's that great, oh, who said it? An amazing woman um, said that you can't um, dismantle the master's house with his tools. Mm-hmm. I'm totally embarrassed. I can't remember her name. Um, but process matters and we need to find new processes if we want to create a different community or a more resilient community. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad that we've been able to over this last month and will continue to um, really explore these ideas around process and how the process itself and who shows up at the table to partake in that process affects everything else that follows in a democracy. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, for me, I'm really... June Jordan. June I think. Jordan? I think. No, it wasn't. Forget it. Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay. Um, can't help you there. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and And... I am struck more and more about how, um, like you said, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and understanding too that as human beings, I think so often something happens and we make it a forever moment and, and understanding that things are building, things are changing. So what was true six months ago may not be true now or what was necessary six months ago may not be necessary now. Or what someone said six months ago that was so upsetting may not have the same resonance now. Um, and how we we allow things to keep shifting and changing mm-hmm. rather than holding on tight to this is what it is and this is what it has always been. Yes. Um, a little Vermont granite there. We can we Vermonters can be. Ooh, <laughs> nice one. The quotes from Audrey Lord. Audrey Lord. How could I? She's so amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She is. Mm-hmm. And on that note, everyone out there listening, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Montpelier Happy Hour. You can find us on WVEWLP Brattleboro 107.7 FM on Friday afternoons, as well as the Vermontitude SoundCloud page and the Vermontitude Facebook page. I am your host, Olga Peters. You can reach me through either of those Vermontitude Pages, and Emily, how can people reach out to you? EmilyKornheiser.org, Emily Kornheiser on Facebook, Emily Kornheiser on Twitter, Emily Kornheiser on Instagram, and I walk down the street a lot. Mm-hmm. We didn't mention our, our cocktails. I think this conversation has inspired for me to have a Kahlua and cream, that kind of warm... You don't like those? Oh, oh no. Oh, I'm, I'm making a terrible face. She radio is. Radio audience. But that's okay. I, it's not going to turn me off. Glue okay. and milk. I love him so much. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> <laughs>
<sighs> you gonna have wine in a can? No, no. I'm gonna have. <laughs> I'm gonna cover our non-alcoholic beverage tonight because Perfect. I have to wake up quite early in the morning to drive to Manchester, Vermont. Um, and so I am really feeling that this is the season where ginger tea <gasps> comes back in again. Yes, it right? is. Right. Mm-hmm. And I love just like I grate the fresh ginger into the boiling water on the stove. Mm-hmm. I put some dried elderberries in there. Oh. And it turns bright, beautiful pink when you put a little shot of lemon juice. Nice. It's like a little chemical reaction that I don't understand at all, but I like watching it. That sounds good. Where mm-hmm. do you find the elderberries? Um, I buy dried elderberries in bulk at the co-op. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> well, Emily, looking forward to our conversation next week. And everyone, hang tight. The Montpelier Happy Hour will return on Friday.